You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. I ask the listeners for their sympathy today because I have to come in to do this show where Nada is only going to brag about getting the selection right, saying that he was uh, that he predicted the Hornets were going to get the third overall selection. And yes, that is exactly what took place last night at the NBA draft lottery. And not only do I have to put up with that from Nada, but I also have to put up with Doug, who we were nice enough to an extended invitation to the party and celebrating the third overall selection. But I'm sure we're going to have to deal with his emphasized love for mock drafts that I didn't even know could increase his love for mock drafts. So those are the people I have to be dealing with today. How are you guys feeling? Uh, here, here's the thing, though. Like, what did Doug say last night on the t- on the group chat? Doug was like, "I'm going to come out here and give out draft roses." <laughs> this is how obnoxious he's about to be mm-hmm. right now. I can't even get to that level of, of obnoxious. Doug, have you come down yet? Ladies and gentlemen, great things come in threes, just like this podcast. There's three of us on this podcast right now. The Hornets have the third pick. I've got three mock drafts ready to go right now. I can give them to you all, but I'm afraid that if I did, I would blow your minds. So instead, I will sprinkle them throughout the show. Three amazing mock drafts and three draft roses. Everything great comes in threes. All right. This is Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports pod network. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get them and follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. Doug is on Twitter at Doug Branson, LOH. And finally, Nada is on Twitter at Nada the Scribe. All right. Let's go around the room in this room of threes and let's get everybody's reaction to... Mark Tatum revealing the eighth overall selection with the logo of the New York Knicks there instead of where the Charlotte Hornets were supposed to be. Um, I was, I audibly gasped when the Knicks were the eighth overall reveal and I probably said a curse word and then it kept going where the Hornets weren't showing up and it's your dream to not see the purple and teal. And then we would go to commercial break and that's when Hornets Twitter was at its finest. Everybody was freaking out when the Hornets were not revealed and the top five was about to be unveiled. Nada, let's go to your reaction when Mark Tatum showed you the New York Knicks logo. Do you have any idea how much I laughed? Yeah. I just laughed a lot right now. I laughed even more when the Hornets... (laughs) Again, the Hornets moved up at the expense of the New York Knicks and also the expense of the Detroit Pistons too, by the way. It was a beautiful double move up. It was such a beautiful thing. Now, granted, Chicago came with us, so we took some trash with us. But at the same time, (laughs) it was a beautiful thing. Doug, what was your reaction? Let's just be honest about what this is. This is the NBA gods finally smiling upon the city of Charlotte after 21 years. The last time the Hornets moved up, 99 They moved to the three spot. They got Baron Davis. I think it's going to happen again. They're going to find a star player. I'm excited. And I think they're smiling upon the city of Charlotte and this franchise because it's finally, finally, after so many years, being competently run. Like, not only do the Charlotte Hornets have a top three pick, but they've got a general manager in Mitch Kupchak that has proven that he can make amazing draft picks. I could not be more excited. I can hear it. It's, yeah. You're trembling, Doug. I, I can feel you kind of rattling off of the chair in which you sit. Like, what's going on? Where? <laughs> oh, what, what's, my God. 
are you, how are you doing? Oh my God. SI.com has the Hornets taking OB Toppin forwards oh, wow. center out of Dayton, the high flying OB Toppin six, nine. Wow. That's a, I've not seen OB Toppin climb into the top three in a, in a couple of weeks, but there we go. My first mock draft. SI as the horn is taking Obi top. Well, let's get to some of the evaluation process later on in the show. But what I want to kind of reflect on is the Charlotte Hornets season overall, where we were all worried about the Charlotte Hornets finishing as high as they did because it literally, and it's still the case, it hurt their odds to get the kind of selection that they actually got last night in the NBA draft lottery. And so it couldn't have gone much better for the Hornets. What has happened in the last calendar year, you get PJ Washington as your first round pick where it seems certainly like they actually hit on him. You got some promising second round picks, two of them and an undrafted free agent that, you know, who knows, but gave you some good things at the end of the year, this past season, then you actually finished ninth in the East or 10th, I should say ninth after the bubble happens, but then 10th <laughs> overall. So only two spots back, you get winning basketball, you get clutch moments, you get clutch performances from your young players that are a part of winning basketball. It ends with you beating some of the best teams in the NBA that are balling right now in the bubble. And instead of being awarded the eighth overall selection, because you were better than everybody expected, You get the third overall selection because this new draft lottery process actually has a little sweet spot. And the last couple of years, they've kind of shown you some of those teams that are in the middle can jump up and get a top three pick. It could not have gone much better as far as that goes for the Hornets and what's happened the last calendar year. And my God, I don't know what to do with all of this luck and all of this good fortune that we have received in the last season of Charlotte Hornets basketball. Wait, 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 what do you mean you don't know exactly what to do with all of this draft, with all this luck right now? You go and you buy yourself a lottery ticket, Walker. That's what you do. I'll, you go, you just, again, buy one scratch off. Just one, not, not multiple. I am not promoting gambling on here, but I'm saying just buy one. Just buy one. I feel lucky. And then if you win 15, 20, $30, Go into, or maybe you even get lucky and get 250 so you can buy yourself a pair of J's. That's what I want. That's really what I want. As David Walker tweeted those at me, and we'll get him on the show uh, next week. He doesn't know that yet, but certainly we're going to get him on the show. Doug, what have you made of what's gone on the past year for the Hornets where a lot of positives in a way that we just not, we're not used to here with this organization? Yeah, they're making small, basic, competent decisions, and they're selecting players that they feel like fit with uh, the coach that they've installed, James Borrego, who is clearly not only a competent coach, but, but really good at communicating with young players and getting the best out of them and putting them in positions uh, where uh, they can develop. And so I, I think, yeah, I mean, it's a testament to, to this organization finally deciding uh, to do some of the right things, and they get uh, they get the payoff here uh, with the third pick. And, and I'll make a strange argument, and I don't know if I have time to make it in this first segment or if I need to get it. You in, do. In, no, you've got a few minutes. Go ahead. Okay, I'll say this. I think it's actually better for the Charlotte Hornets that they got the third selection and not the first overall selection because of how weak this draft is. I'm not sure that they have any better chance of selecting a franchise-altering player at one than they do at three. And they almost, I think they benefit from getting boxed in a little bit and having some of the other two teams select players 
and that's going to hone in their choice a little bit. They don't have the the entire world at their disposal to to sort of mess up the pick. They they've got this third pick, and I, and I think it's going to be uh, a great for this franchise. And I also think that Mitch has a very firm idea of who he likes and who he doesn't like. And uh, there's not going to be a lot of other data that they really have at their disposal because of all of this pandemic, uh, all these pandemic changes. Uh, so I think Mitch is going to pick who he wants. And, and honestly, I don't think that's a bad thing right now because he's selecting great players. Well, the one thing I would point out is quite honestly, this is what the lottery selection and this is what the lottery edition was meant to do. And it was to reward the teams that are actually trying to develop. This was They're actually trying to get better. They're not trying to do in a Philadelphia or a Cleveland where they're just trying to shamelessly tank. And because they're not trying to shamelessly tank, this is kind of what the reward is. The system for everyone said you can't fix tanking in the NBA. Well, I think the NBA has shown you that, yes, you actually can. Yeah, I think there's some luck to that. I mean, the Hornets certainly didn't do everything in their power to win these games as far as, you know, the personnel decisions they made. If Devontae Graham doesn't explode, then they seem to have shamelessly tanked. But, yeah, here they are. At least it rewarded a team that did get some wins under their belt. And going back to Doug's argument, I don't think that's crazy at all. In fact, I think there's some arguments that might allow you to say having the eighth overall selection could have been better to some degree than the third <laughs> okay, overall selection. I won't selection. go that far. They need I mean, talent. You can, you can, I, well, you, I that's think the you've thing, got a better though. shot at that, well, finding talent at three than eight. Well, but that's the thing though. You would, not that cap space really matters all that much, but for a player that could fall down all the way to eight, like that could have happened where it, you could have a, a Kung Wu, you could have Killian Hayes or somebody that falls down to a possible seven or eight spot if that's where they would have selected that also could be selected at three. It's just so wide open. I'm here for the third overall pick. Let's not get it twisted because at least it brings you value. At least it brings you trade value to where maybe you could trade back, get some assets for the future as well as a first round pick this year. I think that would be something that would certainly be worth exploring. But if not, then you get one of these guys like a Wiseman, Ball, Anthony Edwards. I mean, there's there's a handful of guys that you could mention here that could be the third overall selection. Walker, if they trade yes. back, I will riot. I will riot. <laughs> I will. I will travel to Charlotte with my mask on, and I will riot from a safe distance. Even if they okay. get future unprotected first for it, I mean, you, that's, I don't think that's going to be possible in this draft. Well, I, I'm I, talking I think, about realistic scenarios here. I don't think it's possible in this draft because if if this were another draft where you're like, oh man, there are three prospects that are that are just slam bangers then maybe, but I you know if they trade well, back, they need talent. They need talent. They need future talent. They need talent. Now let's go. Well, I, I'm okay. I'm t- if, if they get unprotected, if guys like LaMelo enough to where he's still there and they want LaMelo ball and you can get future fi- first round <laughs> picks for it. I'd be just fine with hey, one of I'm those not, guys. Listen, listen, I'm not for any team trading for future assets until we have a vaccine until we know there's going to be an NBA that exists three years from now. I say you go all in and you go all in right now. I want to thank DoorDash for supporting the show. Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list, and you can give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. You want Chinese, they want pizza, someone else 
is trying to talk to you about craving Froyo, that's fine. There's something for everyone on DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, and they bring it right to your door. Ordering is easy, too. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting that they have. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities uh, that we all operate in safe, and you can continue to support your local businesses from a safe distance. Right now, our listeners can get a $5 uh, can get $5 off of their order and a zero delivery fee on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code locked on NBA. Don't forget that's code locked on NBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Plenty more on the third overall pick that the Charlotte Hornets were awarded last night coming up on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. I'm not a big fan of grape jelly. I kind of, I'm a little insulted that you referred to me as grape jelly. I'm not a fan of grape anything. Now, I like grapes, but I don't like grape flavoring. I think it goes back to the Robitussin that I had as a kid, and I just don't like grape flavoring. Anyway, great to be back. Great to be back on the show. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios Today hosts Nyla Boodoo and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. So now when we talk about some of these players that are going to be available with the third overall selection. Yes. I think it's going to be LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards as locks to make at least the top three. James Wiseman kind of seems maybe that way with the way one people are discussing, but also Golden State, it seems just they've always kind of had the one missing thing from them has been the big guy. Yes. James Wiseman is certainly an enticing talent, so he could go number two overall to Golden State. That seems to be the marriage everybody's kind of pinning um, uh, to one another. It, it It is crazy as we kind of lean into it at the end of the first segment. There are so many different players that could be there. Not, I think the possibilities really are, I mean, damn endless when you have about five uh, people that could go number one overall. And, you know, Ball, Wiseman, Edwards, Obvious. Killian Hayes, and even Anadvia, you know, all of those guys I think are kind of in the mix for that number one overall selection. The, the Hornets, as Doug said, they could have a couple of people off of the board and maybe make their selection a little easier if you kind of group one of uh, all those players into tier one. Yes, I, I do believe that there's a couple of things I do believe about this draft just going into it just right now. One, I don't think there's a chance in hell LaMelo Ball goes to Golden State. I don't think there is. I also feel like LaMelo Ball in Charlotte is going to probably work out well. I do like the fact that there, there are options. And even though there are some of us that would despise trading down, I do think with certain markets like New York that covet a guy like LaMelo Ball, you can basically extract a ton of assets, fix the rim protection situation with a guy like Mitch, Mitchell Robinson, which I think is, again, a better center than anyone you're going to get in this draft per se. I like the amount of options they have. Just team building from this standpoint is going to be very interesting going forward. Doug, what do you think about some of the guys that could be there? I mean, is there anybody that you kind of have your eyes set on more so than other players? Who would you pick? Um, because the, the possibilities are there. I mean, it's not one of these things where we're not we're not talking about Zion Williamson going number one overall and John Morant not going three. Like that would have been a waste of time had this scenario played out last year. I don't think there's any prospect that we can talk about that would be a waste of time right now. 
Well, if you're a fan of Occam's razor and you think that the simplest solution is probably uh, the solution to go with, and I think you would go with James Wiseman, just like this mock draft that I'm reading right now from CBS Sports and Kyle Boone, who has Anthony Edwards going first overall to the Minnesota Timberwolves, LaMelo Ball going second overall to the Golden State Warriors, and the Charlotte Hornets taking the 7-1 center prospect kind of out of Memphis uh, in James Wiseman. He would, he would fix a rim protection issue uh, that they have, but obviously he is uh, very raw offensively. Uh, so there are questions about whether he could be a dominant offensive uh, player or whether he could even be an average offensive player if he'd actually be an offensive liability in the Clint Capella mode, mold. Um, so a lot of questions there. I would say if you're asking my opinion, if they have an opportunity with the third pick to select LaMelo Ball, I think they absolutely have to take it. You run to the virtual podium and say, we are selecting LaMelo Ball because I think he has legitimate star opportunity and Charlotte cannot pass that up. I don't care who comes calling. I don't care if there are future first-round assets in play. I think you, if you think LaMelo Ball is going to be a star, then Charlotte has to make that pick uh, because too many times... You know, too many times this this franchise has not had the opportunity uh, to bring in uh, future star potential, and I think they have to take it if they do have that opportunity. The one thing I would, would and I agree with you, I want LaMelo here. The one thing that I do worry about is with a guy like LaVar, and we know this, the Hornets' inability to handle family situations, see the Lance Stevenson situation. Do we? We, we do know that? That's like a thing with the Hornets? Again, the Lance Stevenson situation where the family was a massive distraction and did not help the situation to where they basically bailed on Lance Stevenson in a year. I think Lance was more the problem with that situation, (laughs) right? Lance and the family. Lance and the family. I promise you it's it's much more of that. Lance and the family. If that's if you feel like the the family aspect of Lance to where he's or the of Lamelo to where he's not going to listen to you as a coach is going to be a problem. I completely understand not drafting Lamelo. I still want him though. So here's the thing about the Lavar situation. I could try and still not care less about Lavar Ball affecting what Lamelo Ball would bring to this team. When's the last time we've heard from him? I, that's a good point. I mean, when's the last he time made, he, yeah, yeah, he made some noise early on when Lonzo uh, yeah. was traded to New Orleans. But then, you know, because, listen, the thing is, I would be worried if LeVar were still relevant. But he shot himself in the foot so many times with, with appearances and saying things uh, that were extremely controversial that he's canceled himself. And so I don't care, like, I don't care about LeVar Ball. I, I want to see LaMelo Ball... Uh, with his amazing vision and his amazing creativity and his energy. Like, that's the thing that stands out to me. Don't don't be worried about the shot. I, that's what I would say to people who are worried about, oh, well, LaMelo can't shoot. I am, though, and I love oh, LaMelo. Oh, no, 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 no. It's no. crazy broken, though. Here, here's the thing, though, Walker, and I understand why you say that. If they could fix the Martin Twin shot, I don't worry oh, about no. I don't worry about LaMelo's shot at all. worse than Martin Twins. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I am worried about the shot, but even with the LeVar Ball thing, to me... It never affected Lonzo, did it? Like Lonzo was has never had no, any Lonzo, character. Lonzo Lonzo always said, "That's my dad. I'm Lonzo. That's Lavar. Don't worry about it." And I think Lamelo would be the same way. I think Lamelo is is look. He's been overseas. He's he's gone through a lot, you know, coming up. Um, and and I think he he wants to be an NBA superstar. He wants to earn it. 
And you can see that uh, if you look at any of his film, I mean, the guy is just, he's just crazy intense out there. I just love everything about LaMelo Ball. Let's go. Here's a question I have for you guys. I think when we all had kind of pinned them with the eighth overall selection, we all were discussing, look, this is not the draft to draft the star potential because it's not going to be there at eight overall. There's going to be some nice players. There might be some guys that maybe fall, but there's so many different holes in a lot of the different top prospects game. Nobody feels comfortable about any slot they're really selecting in this particular NBA draft. Even with all that being said, they have the third overall pick now. How much do the expectations go up for Mitch Kupchak with this third overall selection rather than just having the eighth overall selection, the 12th overall selection the past two seasons? How how much does he have riding on this particular NBA draft now that he was awarded the third overall pick? Because it's a shallow draft, I'm not so sure. Like this, again, a lot of people have compared this to the 23-13 draft. And I, again, if this was next year's draft, where you had a Cal Cunningham and a whole bunch of uh, and Jalen Green and a whole bunch of other, those other guys, then yeah, it matters to nail this pick. I'm not so sure with this that there is that star. Now, again, if you think it's LaMelo Ball, go, go after it. But if you want the safe pick, I'm not necessarily going to say that's a bad idea either. Now, Mitch, Mitch Kupchak and his recent successes, he set himself up now. I mean, he set expectations for fans. I think fans are paying attention, and they see uh, how well uh, some of his draft picks are playing, including P.J. Washington. And, and they, they are, I think they're going to expect him to nail this draft pick. I mean, this is what every general manager wants. Wants an opportunity at the big show. Wants an opportunity. And, and Mitch Kupchak in his comments is kind of, I think, trying to cut at those expectations a little bit. I saw in his comments yeah. where he said, you know, well, you know, you know, nobody really knows, you know, what they Okay, but Mitch, we need you to know. I mean, that's the thing. We need you to know, and we need you to knock this one out of the park because we've we've sat in mediocrity for too long. We've been uh, ninth in the Eastern Conference for what seems like nine decades. It's it's time for the Hornets uh, to be relevant again, and this third pick presents them with an opportunity to be relevant. And I think that's why if you trade that third pick away, I, to me, it would just be very very disappointing for fans who are looking for some. They don't want to they don't want to ray a hope two years from now. They need hope now. And that third pick could provide hope for the fans now. Well, I, w- I would argue that you still get hope now if you have future first round picks on the horizon as well. Like, Boring. <laughs> hey, that's fine with me. I-, I want, even if it does not pan out for them until a couple of years from now. But going back to a couple of the other things you said, I agree with you completely. I don't think, I think even in hindsight, right? Like we could try to be level headed about this now. But we're not going to look back at the third overall selection, whoever it is, and think, well, that was a weak draft. Let's give Mitch Kupchak a pass. No. The storyline is going to be the Charlotte Hornets botched the third overall pick. That's going to be the storyline. Yeah, it didn't help the Cavs when they selected Anthony Bennett. I mean, that was a super weak draft, and people still dunk on the Cavs all the time for taking Anthony Bennett. Yeah, that's exactly what would happen. I will say this. When you mentioned Mitch Kupchak's comments, you kind of mentioned that he was trying to walk back some of the expectations. He was like, well, guys, look – you know, the, 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 nothing's a sure thing. 
I'll even say though, I took the opposite because he also says you get a different talented player in the top three. You do get a special kind of player in the top three. He acknowledged that. So I do think that there is some acknowledgement that I love it. Yep, th- this is something different. Like I think Mitch, Mitch did acknowledge the kind of expectations and the difference in selecting top three compared to not even top 10, which is what history has shown for them the past couple of seasons. But even now, um, you know, even what they were supposed to select with eight. I, I think Mitch understands <laughs> that as well. On a night that Joe Biden delivered a, an amazing acceptance <laughs> speech at the Democratic National Convention, we saw another amazing rhetorical performance by General Manager Mitch Kupchak to both say that in, in the top three, you can get a different kind of player, but then also say there is no guarantee that just because you get a top three pick that there are three franchise-altering players out there and that we know who the three are. That's the right. master magician, Mitch Kupchak, he That's is right. living on both sides of the coin right now. Yeah, he, he's always had a way with words ever since his introductory press conference <laughs> where everybody left with a smiling, <laughs> glowing review. One more segment to go. We'll continue to talk about the third overall selection. More positive news on the horizon next for the Charlotte Hornets. This is Locked on Hornets. And the Google description here says, on contracts made before June, where the wheat is deliverable in December, either wheat of the grades, named or numbered, (laughs) B shares batik of New York, N.B.A. So take that for what you will. That's a lot of information I just threw at you. I apologize. What was the grade? Yeah, the wheat was graded uh, C-. minus. Let's get them on. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. So I had Rick Bennell on the wake up pod earlier today and it was yeah, like, he was too good to show up on this one. Sadly. Oh no, that's not Rick's fault. Rick is always willing to help out. Don't, don't try to disparage other relationships here with the podcast. Um, but I had him on the wake up pod, which you can catch on ESPN Charlotte.net. And one thing oh, that he was saying, go. what, hold on, Doug, please. I'm you've trying been, to give you draft been, analysis. You've, you've been unleashed. I leave the podcast <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, I'm not a, what have you done? You've allowed Walker to just use this podcast as a vehicle for his own material wealth. Sir, how many different mock drafts have you promoted on other <laughs> websites? <laughs> I was going to say. Hey, by the way, watch me, uh, my live draft uh, pod reactions on the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, uh, exactly. Locked On Live on Twitter. Yeah, make sure you go check that out. You know, the relationship between Rich Cho and Steve Clifford was not good. And I think everybody knew that. It was a horribly, horribly kept secret. And we all know about the rumors that are confirmed. Steve Clifford wanted Donovan Mitchell. Yes. And Rich Cho wanted Malik Monk. And in that that draft room, I talked with Rick about that kind of process, why the decision was made. Because Rick also mentions that Mitch Kupchak unequivocally has control over what they decide to do personnel-wise. And that includes draft or free agency. And it wasn't exactly like that with Rich Rich Cho, who had a power struggle with other people in that organization. And so I asked Rick, if, if that was the case, if Rich did not have that kind of power that Mitch has, why was Malik Monk the selection? And he would go on to say that there, are, there were people within that room that understood they had kind of clipped the wings, to use the phrase Rick did, of Rich Cho before it was time for him because it was his job on the line. Like, we knew that was a huge draft for Rich Cho. And so that was his decision. And pretty clearly, it hasn't worked out to the way that we all want it to at this point. But here... I asked Rick about James Borrego and the kind of maybe impact that he would have on this selection. And he still comes up with exactly what I just said. Borrego will have some say. He'll be listened to. But this is all Mitch 
running the ship. And Doug, as you've said, there does seem to be a competent plan. And it seems to be a one-person plan. We talk about centralized leadership as it pertains to college football because of all the different ways the Power Five conferences are reacting right now. You have centralized leadership within the Charlotte Hornets organization in a way that you used to not have that. And I think that is something that you can feel confident in going forward. Well, the one thing... it's it's great it's great when they're when they're doing good things and it's terrible when they're doing bad things when it's when it's one person uh, but so far Mitch has made good decisions. Like the one thing I would point out is that we've always asked what is the plan and why are they continually changing plans and there are different people running off in different directions. The fact that there's only one direction right now for this franchise and there's one guy making the decisions. And he's been empowered to make the decisions without being undercut by any of the ownership or any of the, any of the leadership per se, uh, other higher leadership. I think that matters kind of. No, I do too. And you know, he's shown a good track record, not even with what he's done with the Hornets, but you can look at the Lakers and he had the Lakers had the three, two overall picks in a row. And he was a part of two of them. He drafted the best two. He got Brandon Ingram. He got D'Angelo Russell. And remember at the time, he was actually getting criticism for both of those number two overall selections because it took a while for D'Angelo Russell to bake. And it took a little while for Brandon Ingram to start um, showing his skills as well. And now you're looking at a couple of all-stars. Both of those guys have all-star nods to their name. And so hopefully we can do that here with the third overall pick. One situation, Brandon Ingram was always going to be the next pick after Ben Simmons. That was Mm -hmm. for sure. That was not going to be a debate. There was some debate around D'Angelo Russell because people thought it was going to be Jaleel Okafor. Well, we, we had Jaleel Okafor actually as the number one pick, and then Carl Anthony Towns pretty clearly was going to be that guy. And then it was a question of whether he was going to go number two to the Lakers, and eventually you know, Mitch Kupchak said, nope, it's going to be D'Angelo Russell. And that was obviously the right decision over Jaleel Okafor if you just look at what their careers have shown you since then. Uh, and I think we've seen him in the second round with the Lakers and the Hornets do well. We've seen him early when Kobe finally left that organization and, well, and when they were just bad. You know, we've seen him succeed in two different areas. And I think that's why we have a little bit more confidence than what we used to. If you just kind of look at the history, the worst mistake he's made is the SGA Miles Bridges thing so far. But he combats that with the Devontae Graham second round pick. You know, he combats that with some guys later on that really help him. And it, it, it's a different feeling. Like, it's a different feeling surrounding this organization than what it's been in years past. Well, that's the thing, right? It's it's not – I mean, nobody has a perfect draft record that I can think of. Maybe, I guess, Presti probably has Presti's one. Presti's closest. I, I think you could even dig into his draft record and say, wow, oh, you should have sure. taken that guy. So, nobody has a perfect – it's like mitigating mistakes. And that's the thing with the Miles Bridges-Shea thing. It's like, that's a, that's a mitigated mistake. It's not yeah. a D- Donovan Mitchell, Malik Monk situation where it is is just catastrophic overlooking of a future uh, NBA star. So so that's number one. Uh, but I'm glad that you brought up the second round because we've naturally, obviously, the excitement around the Hornets getting the third pick, we've had to talk a lot about that. But we can't forget that they also own the 32nd pick, which essentially is a first round. Like if you look at the, uh, the way that those first couple of uh, picks in the second round are treated both contractually and just uh, you know, how teams deal with those. Uh, that's essentially another first round pick. And so if you want to see some Mitch Kupchak wheeling and dealing, I think you might see it with that pick. Yeah, I'm kind of with that. I don't expect them to draft at 32. I'm expecting them to climb back into the first round for someone they like, maybe a Ty- Tyrese Maxey, someone like that at the back. 
or they get their center there because I think center is going to be one of those positions that they need another body. And especially if you're going to keep a, maybe keep a Bismack Biombo and you're trying to move on from a guy like Cody Zeller at the end of the end of next season. So it makes a lot of sense for them not to keep that 32, but to move up instead. There's been a lot of talk about the Hornets only, only investing in best player available and not just going with the person that fits the best with the team. But if you look at the way that the top of the draft is set up, the positions that they have available to them, it kind of fits with what the team needs. So what I think the team needs it's size at both the perimeter and they need a big man. And you have Anthony Edwards, who is a beast and is athletic and absolutely has the body of a good two guard. You have LaMelo Ball, who's huge at the point guard position. Same thing with Killian Hayes and Denby Advia. Everybody's over 6'5 on the perimeter, but also a Wiseman and a Kung Wu would both be great additions as the big man. You know, there's not this like kind of tweener with PJ Washington, Miles Bridges kind of like that, that you're worried about them taking. And so I think that's interesting. We, we, we've heard Mitch Kupchak a million times. We don't care. We don't care. We don't care uh, about the, about the fit for the team, but I do think it lines up pretty well for them at the top of the draft. Well, th- th- so that's the thing about LaMelo ball, right? That's why I say, don't worry about a shot because he's six foot seven crazy long arms. He has all the physical tools and you would say, well, wait a minute. What about MKG? Uh, we, we didn't worry about his shot. And then he, but, but MKG couldn't pass like MJ, MKG could not do the things on the floor that LaMelo can do. Oh yeah. They're as a, way as a different. Point right. So it's different situations. Also, I would say this, I'm reading a lot about, well, the Hornets, you know, they would take LaMelo ball. What does that do to Devontae Graham? You play him with Devontae yeah, Graham. Yeah, this would affect do. Terry Rozier more than Agreed. anyone. You, you have a situation where you got to put Rozier back on the bench. What does that do? I don't care. It doesn't matter because you take LaMelo ball. Uh, just like the New York Post uh, said in their latest mock draft. Mock there draft we go. Know, uh, New York Post. This is Zach uh, Braziller saying, uh, number one, Anthony Edwards going to Timberwolves. By the way, that's, it's a perfect situation for the Hornets to get the three pick with the Wolves getting the one pick because that, you know, the Anthony Edwards-Wolves connection has been the strong, one of the strongest uh, team-to-player connections that I've seen in mock drafts. So that's perfect. What I think, I wanted to say this, the, the one situation where I could see LaMelo not falling to three for sure is if the Warriors trade that mm-hmm. second pick. Uh, because they don't necessarily need that second pick. Uh, Wiseman, I don't know if he would be ready to go in time for the Warriors uh, to make a run and him contribute uh, mightily to that team. So they may trade a team that really does want Melo. Uh, so if, if the Hornets trade, I think they should trade up to two to give a Melo ball. <laughs> but, but here's the question I, I guess I have for both of you guys. Why are we assuming Anthony Edwards is the perfect kind of guy for a team like Minnesota? I'm kind of with you. Like, I think LaMelo could fight like, there as well. I, yeah. don't think, I don't think they go mellow. I think Avia is going to be higher on both, of their bo- on both Golden State and um, Minnesota's board. I kind of, I'm kind of thinking LaMelo's going to be there, but Anthony Edwards might too because someone's going to fall in love with Wiseman at two. And someone's going to fall in love with Denny Avia because they're going to want a Luka Doncic clone. Not realizing, I like Avia. He's not Luka Doncic at all. Um, one thing that is hilarious about all of this is we did have the misfit mock draft 3.0 in the category of the Delete Eight teams. And the two teams that were included in the top three <laughs> appeared in the NBA draft lottery. And what was the one lone team that did not appear in the top three as it was in the mock draft? It was the... Oh, poor Detroit Pistons, who seems to me 
to be the one team that is constantly like just a tier or just a spot below the Hornets where the Hornets have constantly beat up on them in head to head games. And it was always funny to compare the draft history between the Hornets and the Pistons where, yeah, they had Andre Drummond, but even in that, I believe the Kemba draft is when they select, uh, they selected Brandon Knight too. Yes. Like, so they've always, they've always kind of been a tick below the Hornets as, as far as luck is concerned. And that shows its head once again in the NBA. By draft the way, by the way, Danny, time. by the way, Danny Ainge, don't bother calling. Don't even pick up the phone. <laughs> We're not taking the call. I don't care what kind of godfather Mario Puzo offer you've got on the table. You can keep your horse head. We're taking the best uh, player available. Get out of here, Danny. Get out of here, Danny H. Yeah, there we go. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Hornets. Thanks again for supporting the show. We always appreciate it. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA, really any show, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a great weekend. Sit on the positive news. We'll be back with you on Monday. Mm-hmm.